You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, welcome to Sunday Coffee. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield, and we're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Startwell. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. You can go to favorites.com. They can help you with home, life, auto, whatever you need in the insurance world. Our good friends at Farm Bureau. Why do you always get to say that? Why don't you do it? Well, I mean, it's like now you've won an award again. Oh. So you don't know, Bart got <laughs> broadcaster of the year and all that mess. So now I'm just the guy that gets to carry the bags around. Is that what we're doing? That's exactly. I mean, think about it. Every Sunday you get to say, and welcome to Sunday Coffee. I get like an occasional deep dig on a Friday, but it's like, you know, I just have to sit over here and fix your coffee. And My coffee's not warm enough this morning, Charlie. I would well, like you can take that up with your friends on Spring Street. Well, no. Actually, I came in here this morning, and as you were getting things together in the back rooms of the studio, I made this cup of coffee from a blueberry cobbler flavored pod that we have here. And so you can go to uh, strangebrewcoffeehouse.com, or do you want to do this? No, you go ahead. You're kind of invested now. Okay. Strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. As Charlie mentioned, they're on Spring Street and Highway 12 here in Startwell. That's where it all started. They're also in Tupelo and in Tuscaloosa as well. But I've got the pod this morning, and so I was coming in on two wheels into Startwell and so decided just to come to the studio and make my own Strange Brew coffee. Is that why I had coffee spilled on my floor? You weren't commenting when I was cleaning up the mess. <sighs> that was a very guilty silence. That was not me. Okay. I had not even poured the coffee yet. But I was, you know, I just put the uh, the napkin on the floor and just kind of wiped it up with, with the boots. I got you. Hey, uh, and along those lines, this is not uh, – I am not very good at uh, at being just uh, double-jointed and patting myself on the back. Oh, I'd say you do it all the time. Well, so. <laughs> but I'm not as good, and I try to be humble. I do. do but you? there have been a lot of people who reached out to me this week, and I'm very appreciative I have not reached out to you. No, you have not. You did send a tweet out saying that the, the mute button is the only thing that uh, that won me that award. Well, that is true. Because if I could count all the times that, well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have a job, either one of us, I'm afraid. No. Well, we had basketball yesterday. I saw you at the arena. I was at the arena. That was a big win. Now, well, let me be fair. Vanderbilt's awful. I used to think. Man, you know, Vanderbilt's okay, tough schedule. No, they're no good. They're not. And um, I was trying to think of a nice way to put this because I was going to come at that this morning because I hate to be negative because I'm not. I try to be a, a very positive person on this Sunday morning. But Vanderbilt's not good. They're not good at all. And I saw where last week, and I listen, Jerry Stackhouse, for us, was an unbelievable player. I mean, I think of Jerry Stackhouse as one of the – one of the better, one of the best all-time at North Carolina. And now Jerry's gotten to the point now where he's he's frustrated. They're not very good. You could kind of know when they hired Jerry Stackhouse to be their head coach, this is where it was going to end up. 
But then, you know, now he's taking shots at other places, saying this is the best team's money can buy. You played at North Carolina, Jerry. I mean, <laughs> you don't talk about best players <laughs> money can buy. He was coach of the year in the league last year. I know, but they're not good at all. They're they're not they're not good at all. So let's uh, the thing that we have done off the air, and sometimes we will do this more in football than anything else. Is Charlie? We haven't had a really big, deep dive into anything from a stat standpoint in a while. Well, we haven't really been able to because the schedule needs some time to sync up, right? I mean. If you go five games deep and you start digging into numbers, you can't really tell anything. Once you get to this point, some trends, though, start to emerge, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would think so. And I think one of the trends that is emerging is there are teams around the country who are playing at a faster pace. I went to Lexington the other night, and Kentucky gets up and down the floor as fast as any team that I've seen in a long, long time. I mean, they get after it. I think they're fourth best in the country in offensive efficiency, and that's one of the numbers that has really started to jump out and creep out. It, you know, it's it's like some of these crazy stats that you see that they just emerge. Offensive efficiency is one of the ones that people are talking about a lot right now, and then defensive efficiency. Efficiency, but I was thinking about this, Charlie. About you know, Kentucky gets up and down the floor. Alabama is a team last weekend. They get up and down the floor. The league has completely changed a little bit, especially at the top half of teams that just like to fun and gun. What's well, the old Alabama thing, right? People are starting to buy into the Nate Oats. Our only goal is to score 100. We're going to roll a ball out there and say go. Yeah, and if you can't score 100, you're not going to win. That's actually not 100, but, I mean, can you see Alabama winning a game where they score under 80? No. It's hard to well, imagine in this league. And the same thing with Kentucky. I mean, they won yesterday, what, 103 to 90? The whole thing with Kentucky, you just got to keep up because their defense is not very good. And I say that, okay, that's another point. When you start looking at defensive efficiency and giving up points with the game being faster, it just seems like the way the game is being called, the differences in the block charge – it's just lending itself more to more offensive pace. Well, it is. And so I want to offer – I want to talk about offense, but I want to start with defense because it relates to what you're just saying. And and I would like to offer a humble defense for our defense, okay? If you get around, people say, man, we just don't defend like we did a year ago. We're not defending like we were. But do you look at it from raw data or do you do, do you look at it relative you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, is it just, hey, because we are, our adjusted defense. First of all, let's talk about what adjusted defense is. Adjusted defense is basically the points you give up per 100 possessions. No game gets, well, few games get to 100 possessions for each team, right? But the idea is that if you defend 100 possessions, how many points are you going to give up? Last year in the SEC – Keep in mind, we were third in the league. Third in the league last year, giving up 91.4. And I'm just going to round numbers, okay? We don't need a lot of decimals here. Because they go into the .0883. Yeah, so, but last year we were giving up 91 points per 100 possessions. This year you can say, well, we're not doing as well defensively because we're giving up 96. 
there's a five-point swing from this year to last year. We're still third in the league. When you look around the league, more points are being scored. Teams are better scoring the ball. Let's talk about that in a second. But they're also getting more possessions. So when you when you get closer to that 100, that number is going to go up, right? The point is, relative to the rest of the league, we still are where we were. Relative to the country, we're pretty close. We were ninth in the league. Excuse me. Last year, we were ninth in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency when everything was said and done. Right now, we're 15th. So it's not like we've had this, you know, there's this idea out there that we haven't been playing defense. That's just wrong. So first thing I would say is the tempo of games across the country is being played at a higher rate, meaning there are more possessions per game than there were a year ago, particularly in this league. And even though we are giving up more points, albeit very slightly, per possession, there's just more of them. Relative to the league, relative to the country, we're still very good defensively. However, the way the game has been called, I think is causing us some trouble. And I'm going to give you an analogy. Well, first of all, let's set up what the change is. Well, in baseball, we are told every year that there may be some changes. We have a conference call every year a week or two before the season with Paul Gillier or whoever is the head of officiating in the SEC. And they say, here here are the points of emphasis. Here's how the game may be changed from a strike zone standpoint. We're going to look at track man more. That was last year. And this is how the game. So we have not talked to anyone with the league. I don't. They don't do that in basketball because I think it's all subjective. I think they really morph a little bit as the season goes on because I think you can you can tell they're calling the game a little bit different maybe now than they did a month ago. So I don't know this for a fact, but I know the coaches and a lot of people have been told in the new rule about blocks and charges. If I think back to Chris Jans's team last year. And, hey, I have no numbers to back this up. I mean, you've got all the numbers in front of you. You're the analytical one. All I'm doing is just off the cuff how it feels. They're not calling charges at all. I would love to know the the difference. And you can't figure this out in any stat because you don't know what's a moving screen and the offensive fouls you know, within the offensive fouls. But there are no charges being called anymore. Everything's a block. So that free range of motion or whatever. And coaches and everybody were told this when the game when the season started this year. And you just wonder on a team that was built on taking charges. Think back to those Vic Schaefer teams. How did you win with a tough minded defense early in his career? How many charges did we take at that time? So here was they don't even call it a rule change. They call it a tweak. Okay. That's when we're going to make a big change, but we want to be quiet about it. The rule now is that the defender has to be completely in position and completely set before the offensive player even plants a foot to go airborne. Yeah. And so basically, you got to be there a full step ahead. They have cut off the sliding in and taking the charge. Well, think about our defense. Our defense is designed to do a couple of things. One is to force guys to the baseline and then bring the help from the big guy, right? And and to get charges. Now, when you see a guy drive the lane, and this isn't just us. Just turn on college basketball, man. People are attacking the goal with abandon. They have no fear now because nobody's coming at them to hammer them anymore. 
Nobody's coming in to take the charge. Now what you're trying to see is a guy block it out of the hand. You're seeing more of a rim protector type mode than a bruiser mode. And if you whatever you want to say about Tolu Smith, he's not a rim protector. Jimmy Bell is not a rim protector. Keyshawn Murphy is probably the closest thing athletically you have to that. Yeah, and okay, let me ask you this. And so if you have to have a rim protector, are they giving the rim protectors a little bit more leeway? Because I think back to yesterday. Okay, the first possession of the second half. The first possession of the second half, we come down. Tolu drives in. He goes up the rim. And I don't know how many people we listed in the hump yesterday. I think there were like 12 Vanderbilt fans. Everybody else, we had the maroon color glasses on. But that was a hack. I mean, that was an absolute hack. And then we come down the other way, and a guy drives on Rams Davis, and he breathes on him at six feet, and they call the foul. I so think, are they? No, give, I think you're so right. are they giving the rim protectors more protection? I think they are. So I think it's one of those things. How many times have you seen Tolu go up on a contested shot at the goal or Cam Matthews? We saw a couple of times guys just get tied up, hacked with a body, everything in the action, the shot. That's not the charge call that we're talking about. But now you gotta you gotta defend up in the air, it feels like. The guy getting there on the floor and being positioned, it seems like it's a little bit of a disadvantage. And oh by the way, I don't know if you caught this or not, but I I just look at things like this. Yesterday at the very end when Oh, I know where you're going. We drive <laughs> at, the, well, at the very end. Well, ten seconds to go. Shot clock's winding down. We go up. The, you know, we go in the lane, and whoever took the shot, it may have been Cam, it may have been Tolu. Somebody got killed. I mean, just abs- They're probably in the in the ice bath today because of how hard it was. They didn't call the foul, and Vanderbilt gets like a run out and just an easy layup with one second to go in the game. Do you know the line was thirteen on the oh, game? Oh yeah, the line was yeah. thirteen. We were ahead by fifteen. They didn't call the foul. And so, I would like to <laughs> like to know how much money. Well, I mean, if it if the if the line was thirteen in the game, that's what it ended at thirteen. Then all bets are off. You didn't win or lose. Well, except there's a an administration fee taken there, right? Well, that that may may be so. That may be so as well. Um, but <laughs> anyway, another one of the reasons that I would never do it. So I want to make a comparison for you to what I think is happening. But, again, keep in mind, I think it's a less exaggerated version of what I'm about to say because we're still where we were relative to the rest of the league. We're close to where we were relative to the country defensively. But it doesn't look as good just to the eye test, right, when you go look. The comparison that I was going to make was, remember when they changed the baseballs from 13 to 14? Oh, do I? And so you take a guy like Ross Mitchell, who was just carving people up in 13, and the ball was different in 14, right? They're, they lowered the seam in what was a wiffle ball. I mean, because that's what Ross threw. I mean, it literally looked like a wiffle. He was throwing a one-seam fastball where you actually split the you know one of the seams. You turn the ball kind of on an angle, and he splits with his index finger and his middle finger the one seam. And if you can throw it, not many people can throw it because they can't control it. Ross could control it. And so, literally, it was a wiffle ball coming out of his hand. That's why nobody could hit him because it had so much movement. And then in 14, they lowered the seam on the ball. Take away the movement. The movement was gone, and then all of a sudden. You've kind of built your team one way. I think changes of bats do that to you. You build a team one way. And so, right now, we're, I mean, look, we're kind of built 
for the old way a little bit. Chris Chance used to spend a lot of time in practice talking about taking charges. Not as much anymore. It's because you're not going to. We actually took one yesterday, and the whole bench went crazy. <laughs> you know, Hadn't seen that in a while. Charge out in the wild. So, if you look at the team, though, I still think – oh, by the way, I had to add this because you talk about the ability to defend. One of the things I always look at is stats per 100 – excuse me, stats per 40 minutes. So, you take a player and you say, all right, if we played him the whole game, didn't take him out – what would he be? What's his rate? How about this? Cam Matthews, five fouls. Sean Jones, six fouls. So if he played all 40 minutes, he would have six fouls. Guy Chole, six fouls. Be okay if he hadn't. In the NBA, they gave that six foul. Hey, the other thing that jumped out at me, this is a random note that got me. I just get going down the wormhole on some of this, and I shouldn't. But 42 seconds into the second half yesterday, Rams Davis commits a foul. That's what I'm talking about. His third. Yeah, he, he breathes on the guy driving down the lane. And he's out of the game. 42 seconds deep into the second half. We, we've barely played. Okay, let me ask you this question. Looking around the country and how, you know, you talk about people have morphed a little bit. Back in the old days, if you got two fouls in the first half, you're done for the rest of the half. Sometimes now coaches will, especially if a guy gets two fouls real early, they may bring him back late in the first half. And they're going, I have no stats to back this up. All right, that's exactly where I'm going. Chris Jans is kind of an old-school coach. How about this? They have a stat of two-foul participation rate, which basically what percentage of available minutes do you play after you get your second foul? This being the first half, 4%. We are 300 and 46th in the country in playing guys in that two-foul situation. Now, this was the second half, right? So it's a little bit different, but he got the early third. Come on over. Now, you also have to wonder, is that the excuse to get Hubbard in the ball game, or was it <laughs> or was it more of a uh, an actual state? But, I mean, the numbers say what they are. Our guys get their second foul in the first half. They're going to the bench. All right, so we start thinking about – the number of possessions, I would guess that means that with possessions being up, are free throws up? The percentage of free throws, are they up, down? Because we talked about this last week about how, what was it, about 10 years ago, you had just the influx of fouls and everything kind of dialed back. Is the free throw percentage there? Now, it, se- it just seems like it's kind of like hack-a-shack right now on, on Tolu. Yeah, so there's – I think it's important to distinguish between two numbers. There's a free throw percentage, which is – just your shooting percentage. But then there's what they call free throw rate. And free throw rate has to do with the basically the free throws per 100 type thing. So right now, they are up slightly. We're up three a game over where we were two years ago. But we're way down. I think it was, you know, that 13, 14, 15 period where the game got unwatchable. Yeah. I mean, you had guys shooting 41 free throws a game. So it, it's gone down. But not over the past couple of years. I mean, it's gone down from where we were 10 years ago, but it's starting to, to trend back up. One of the things about that, and I'm going to state the obvious, is from a free throw standpoint. So if you're going to the free throw line a little bit more, if it's up, you know, if it's trending up, is you got to make your free throws. Tolu, in the first three games back, was an 83% free throw shooter. I think it was like 20 of 24. In the last three games, He's a 52% free throw shooter. And so 
going forward, that's what teams are going to do. They are not going to allow just that easy trip to the line, especially if they got fouls to give with some backup guys on the inside. Am I wrong for saying that? No, I don't think you're wrong. But, you know, I kind of defended our defense a minute. But let me defend our offense. We're better offensively than we were a year ago. You go to a game, everybody talks about, man, we're just not that good. We're shooting free throws better than we did a year ago. Now, I recognize the cynic will say, <laughs> you know, you were one of the worst in the country last year. And that's that's true. But we are shooting them better. We're scoring it better. We're shooting three-pointers better. We're doing a lot better offensively. All right. It doesn't feel that way, though, no, does it? it? Well, that's the thing. It's the feel. And I go back to we said this two or three weeks ago, that we could be a pretty good basketball team and be two and three in the league. Now, we knew we would beat Vanderbilt. We thought we would beat South Carolina. South Carolina, did you see what they did to Arkansas yesterday in Fayetteville? Boy, Arkansas, that's a team that's kind of fallen off. Okay, so we played a pretty tough schedule with three games in a row with Tennessee, Alabama, Kentucky. All right, let's look what's coming up for us. A trip to Gainesville on Wednesday night. You don't know what you're going to get with Florida. Auburn, let me tell you this, Charlie. I was looking at the Kim Palm ratings and things. Alabama is very good offensively, but their defense is 20th or whatever or you know, worse than that. Tennessee is really good defensively. And their offense is in the 20s. And we talk about they're you know, one of the top two of the top teams in the league. Kentucky is fourth in the country in offensive efficiency, but they're like 90th in defensive efficiency. So they're good in one and bad in the other. Auburn is in the top ten in both. Auburn may be the best team in the SEC. Now, I don't know who they played. Well, that becomes the issue, right? One of the things that we talked about earlier are it takes more games to have the bigger picture. And right now, conference strength of schedule – Auburn, who everybody's saying best team, they're 5-0, and they have the lowest-ranked strength of schedule in the SEC. Are we in the top five? They were third. Okay, so we play the third-hardest schedule so far. Within the league. Within the league. Yeah, right now, Vanderbilt is first. Mm. Vanderbilt makes a lot of teams they play better. They do. Which helps their strength of schedule. Ole Miss is second, we're third in terms of league strength of schedule. So you – I don't want to get too far ahead to Auburn, but look at Florida right now. Florida in the SEC. They lost at home by two to Kentucky. Then they get blown out in Oxford. Absolutely just blown out. But then they come home and beat Arkansas and blow them out. They go play Tennessee and get blown out. And then they get Missouri, who's also not very good. On the road, they win that game yesterday. And so, when you look at it, Florida in the league has beaten an Arkansas team that is struggling. They've beaten a Missouri team who is not very good. And they lost closely to Kentucky, blown out by Ole Miss and Tennessee. And they played Kentucky at home. They did. In a game that's bigger deal. Yeah. And a game that meant a lot for them because Florida basically was trying trying to get the glory days back, right? And I think there was a lot of excitement going into that ball game and a lot of pressure on them to win it. And I think they, you know, the place was full, the place was rocking, and I think they thought they had a chance as a team that, you know, played Baylor close, played Wake Forest close, played Virginia close. In in those losses, all of them were just 
you know, a couple of those were by a few points. The other one was by about 10. So I don't know that we entirely know what we have against Florida, but here's what I do know. We absolutely, positively have to find a way to go win that ball game. We do, but it just seems to me, and going back to the point, it seems to me like there are more teams in today's game very similar to the Mark Godfreys and – you know, we had that year where we won all eight SEC road games. That was the year we won the league. It just seems to me that teams are having difficulties on the road. And I'm beginning to wonder, the way Alabama played yesterday, they got blown out on the road at Tennessee. We talk about the South Carolina game. Is the Alabama game the game we're going to look back at three weeks from now or a month from now and saying, dadgum, that was the one we let get away because it was at home? I think so. And the thing that goes back to, so, you know, I've kind of offered a little bit of a defense. Here's the thing that is killing us, one of the things, and it showed itself big time against Alabama. we got to make free throws in big spots. Yeah. It's one thing to make a lot of free throws in a ball game against, I don't know, Tennessee Wesley, and I don't want to, I don't want to be controversial here, right? But it's one thing to make, you know, free throws in a non-pressure situation. But what we saw at the end of that Alabama game, <laughs> clanking free throw, I'm talking about not even threatening the net. That's, that's a trouble. That's a concern. Add to that, we have missed a lot of shots. And maybe this goes back to your point about letting the rim protectors protect the rim. We've missed a lot of shots inside of four feet. But good heavens, there have been times where, like, can't get a dunk to go. <laughs> hey, okay. I, I don't want to seem negative. Because I, I feel like that's the way I've been over the last 10 minutes. Maybe, I'm, I've, maybe I've kept it internal. But one of the positive things that I saw yesterday, Charlie, I saw a lot of people wearing Bulldog Initiative gear. I did see that, too. Saw that yesterday at the game, the Bulldog Initiative gear from Maroon and Company. Go to maroonandco.com and find anything Mississippi State that you want. You can type in the code online or in-store, NIL10. You'll get a 10% discount, and then they'll send another 5% of that to the Bulldog Initiative. It's good-looking stuff, too. They got hats now, got shirts, pullovers. But our good friends Wyatt Craig and his fantastic staff at Maroon and Company. Also, started my day the right way this morning, Charlie, before I came here and drank my Strange Brew coffee, and that was uh, with some country-pleasing sausage. Country pleasing made right here in the state of Mississippi. I was talking to somebody yesterday at the game, and they were talking about they had been to the butcher shop for the first time down in Florence, Mississippi, and they were blown away just about the wide array of things you can get for the for the house. They've got casseroles already ready to roll. All you got to do is put them in the freezer and anytime you want them. But the dry aging steaks, a ton of beef jerky. They've got Randazzo king cakes right now. We talked about that last week. What's their efficiency rating? Looking pretty good. Efficiency rating at What's country? the analytics? I'll tell you what we need to do. We've got to figure out a way to get those guys a butcher shop in Startle. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, because then I would run out of money. That's fine with me. Yeah. Make you work a little harder. It would. It would. But uh, countrypleasing.com, you can see the different varieties they have of the country-pleasing sausage. But uh, that butcher shop down on Highway 49 in Florence is simply outstanding. All right, Bart, final thoughts on men's basketball as we sit here right now. I would sum it up this way. 
the game is being called differently than it was a year ago. You give me that. Yep. That although it doesn't look as good, perhaps, and although the points per game may be up, you have to remember that more possessions leads to more points. The game is being played faster throughout the country. Give me that. I'll give you that. And even though we are no offensive juggernaut, we're at least better than we were a year ago. Okay. We're a little bit better than we were last year. So where do you put us? Where do you put us right now? Uh, so I'm about to make a parallel here. Okay. okay because what I'm, say, what I'm seeing is, is okay, we've got to play Auburn twice. We've got to play Ole Miss twice. We've got to play another game. No, Bart. They have to play us twice. <laughs> we've got to play another game against Kentucky. they got to play us again. We've got to go on the road to A&M, who's you know, not very good. Yeah, but they've got a good coach, though. They do. So we've got to go to Tuscaloosa. So... I'm just looking at it right so, now. Like last year, though, right? So here's my parallel, and here's my transition that I'm going to make for you. Last year, I said, this goes back to some of our uh, mute button conversations in baseball, <laughs> that if our pitching had just been bad, been we'd good. have been okay. <laughs> it, if we could have been not historically bad for two years and just been garden variety not very good, we'd have been a tournament team. So my hope is, because I said last year in basketball, if we were just subpar offensively, we'd have been a five seed. You get where I'm going? I do. And this year, I think we are now, we've graduated up to subpar. You think we're subpar offensively? Okay. We're just garden variety not that good. It's not that we're we're not last in the country anymore in terms of shooting three-pointers. We've we've added a few things. We're starting to learn our rotations. And Bart, I think great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what we have getting to play Auburn twice. And Kentucky twice. Yeah, I could probably do without that. And Alabama twice. Why couldn't we get Missouri twice? Yeah, or Arkansas twice. I mean, give me well, give me Vanderbilt. I'd like to double up with those guys. Golly. But at the end of the day, look, our net rating is better. We're where we need to be. But winning a game down in Gainesville would help. So, baseball. Well, I was going to ask this question. You know, I was thinking, sitting there yesterday, we had the 19-point lead, and all of a sudden uh, Vanderbilt cuts it down to about eight. And in my mind, I was a negative art, you know, internally. I was not yelling at anybody. I wasn't screaming at anybody. Uh, But internally, I was sitting there going, okay, when are we going to have the – the show, the pivot. That's one. You know, we had the we had the show at late. We go back to the we don't talk about basketball. <laughs> so normally this time of year, we're like taking off the month of January. I mean, this is something new for us. Yes, because that was our thing forever. We didn't talk about basketball, and so we would take off in January, and then we'd hit baseball three shows a week, and which we'll do next month. We'll hit three shows a week. So my question to you is: Do we have a pivot? When do we go to the pivot? The one we pivot I to. I don't a, think we're going to have a hard pivot. We're not going to have year. a hard pivot? Okay. I think we've got to ride this basketball thing out. I'm I am I, I'm excited about the sport of basketball again at Mississippi State. And I'll admit, I wasn't for a while. I, I went into a bad place with my relationship with the entire sport. <laughs> I didn't like it. And I think it started with all that foul mess. Yeah, probably I think, so. quite honestly, part of it started when I was traveling around watching women's basketball all the time. And so, one, it made it harder to watch games. 
But two, I think one of the things that hurt Ben Hallen, you tell me if you buy into this, but every time Vic Schaefer put a team on the floor, you knew they were going to play their butts off, and it was going to look like they were playing their butts off. There were days, and you knew Vic was going to be intense. And there were days where Ben Hallen just kind of had the palms up. Come on, man, give me a call here. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? You could see that intensity a couple of times a week, and you didn't always see it. And I think having Vic Schaefer here was very good for women's basketball and problematic for men's basketball. Yeah, you don't have to worry about intensity when Chris Jans is walking the sideline. No, there's a there's a noticeable change. And you know who else attacks their day with tremendous intensity? Well, I you know, I like Chris Keene. I, I don't know that I ever would have said tremendous intensity. Yeah, but it's he's intense on making sure that the customer is taken care of in every aspect of the car business. Yeah, but I but I would hate so when I think of Chris, though, I don't think of like a guy who's trying to oversell me. You know, I don't like No, he's not there's a, no pressure tactics. So, so when you bring like this intensity thing, you know, I feel like high pressure. I don't like going to car lots. And that is the thing that is different. Like there are a lot of times you go to a car lot, you have fourteen people out there and they're trying to hand you the keys. The thing I like about Chris is, hey man, I'm kinda looking at this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well What do you need? Yeah. Okay, I mean, it doesn't have to be a Ford. I mean, they could, they've got all these dealerships with Canon. He can find you anything he wants to find you. New or used car, they have all these car lots around the state of Mississippi. But Canon Ford here in Startville, just east of Startville on Highway 182, they have the service center, they have the body shop, a great sales staff, great people to work with. And so our good friends at Canon Ford of Startville, always bringing you Sunday coffee. All right. But we will start talking more in depth in baseball. We may not have a pivot show where we just pivot over. Well, we'll have some shows that are pure baseball, right? Oh, hey, did you see this week where Kendall Graveman out for the 2024 season? I did see that. Had shoulder surgery. Um, Looked very similar. I have not talked to Kendall. And just from the 20,000-foot view, it looks very similar to what Woodruff had. He's out all year too, right? Until probably the very end of the year. He may come back toward the end of the year. And so I also read a good article – Yesterday, our good friends at the Ticket over in Dallas, mm-hmm. and you go to their website, they have some good articles. I read a good article yesterday about Justin Foscue, about Foscue will break with the Major League team in spring training. I think it'll be the third year he's gone up with the with the Rangers in spring training. And, um, you know, he's a second baseman. The Rangers won the World Series last year. And so they're wondering if his spot may be as a DH and then just to help out as a utility on the infield. It was a really good article yesterday about Foscue. Well, that's one of the good things for him, right? He's played around. Yeah, he's played around. He, he can play third base. He played third. One of the great decisions we ever made was moving him from third to second. Helped him out tremendously. Yeah, it sure did. Hey, and I think, real quick, baseball-wise, I think that's what's going to make our pitching staff a little bit better this year is I think our infield defense is going to be exponentially better. Oh, I do, too. I, I think – from all indications, Logan Kohler, everybody you know talks about Dylan Cup coming in at shortstop and how good he's been, and obviously Amani and Mershon both another year older. But everybody tells me, I shouldn't say everybody, a lot of people tell me that Logan Kohler is next level good defensively. Now, I guess the I may regret this, and in fact, I know that I will. You're going to remind me of this. Don't you worry, I, I will remind. Because I, I want to say that we're going to hit. 
But the problem is, if you think about it, Kohler is going to be way better defensively at third than anything you've had in quite a while. That's not, I mean, I don't think that's stating anything controversial. Well, I mean, or even start significant for that. Moving matter. up from, you know, yeah, <laughs> you, I, mean, I just want to get the subpar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of like the pitching. So you've got better defense there, but you don't know what the hit piece is going to be. Depending on who plays shortstop, if it's Cup, you feel really good defensively, but you don't know if he can hit. There's only so many spots on a field where you can put a questionable bat out there, right? Yeah. Usually it's catcher and shortstop. Those are the two positions. That's the other thing that I'm looking forward to seeing is where do we improve behind the plate? Because we saw Ross Highfield getting a lot better as the year went defensively. How do we – we just have to improve all around the infield. Yeah. You know what we don't need? We don't need to roll in here one of these early weekends and have one of these four-error games. Oh, no. You know, what do we say? You know, with our schedule right now, there's some decent teams coming in, but it goes back to the thing we said, we won't know if we're any good. We'll definitely we'll know if we're not. <laughs> That's right. Hey, uh, thanks, uh, as always. Anything else for the good of the cause? Yes, I have one thing, because we hadn't touched on this in a while. It would be very brief. We talk about Cam Matthews. I think Cam Matthews is a solid role player. He, You need a Cam Matthews on your team. But when I think of Cam Matthews, I don't think of Cam Matthews being a guy with a lot of steals. You know he is 18th in the country in steal percentage. Okay, when we start thinking about fouls, and Cam – you know, we'll build up some fouls. He's averaging five fouls every 40 minutes. How many of those fouls are reaches versus anything to do at the rim or botting up? Now, that's the good and the bad. I mean, the the, the great thing about it is, or the, say the bad thing is, is he's getting a lot of reach-in fouls, which will drive a coach crazy. Hey, quit reaching. But at the end of the day, the net has got to be positive. There is a net positive with Cam Matthews because he is coming up with a ton of steals. After yesterday, he has nine more steals than anybody else on our team. He has 41. Rams Davis has 32. And then from there, you're down to DJ at 22, and then guys in single digits. All right, here's your deep dig for this week, okay? How many players in the top 20 in the country in steals are non-guards? All right, um... Challenge accepted. Okay, because I guarantee you, out of 20, Cam may be only one or two that's not, that's a non-guard that's leading in steals. I will say, how about this? There is no one as tall as him in the top 20 in the country in steals. Which tells you he may be the only non-guard in the country. All right, so you go through them. I'll have to break some of this down. But you've got 5'11", 6'1", 6'0", 6'7". All right, so we're going to play with this. I, I, I don't know if some of these guys are going to, you know, there's a Donovan Draper at Navy is 6'5". I mean, does he, how do they classify him? 6'5 at Navy, he's probably a forward. He is a forward. Maybe he might be a center, but but he ain't playing the athleticism McCam is. No, he he can't be playing the four. I'm going to dig into this, there but you go. to be top twenty in the country as a non guard. All right, so yeah, okay. This is this is how it works with us, right? <laughs> hey, I wonder what. I wonder what, because I know you'll dig into it. 
Hey, uh, thanks to our good friends at Howard Technology Solutions. Charlie can dig into all these numbers and stuff even more if he uses a great laptop or a desktop from our friends at Howard Technology Solutions. Go to howardcomputers.com. How about this? Of players 5'10 or shorter, Josh Hubbard is fourth in the country in shooting percentage. <laughs> I, I hate that I just figured out I can do this. <laughs> well, we just ruined the rest of Charlie's day. He won't w- watch any of the football games. The highest offensive rating in the country is Zach Edney at Purdue, Zach Eddy at Purdue at seven four. Charlie's got the height spreadsheet working now. Yeah, this is just stupid. Now I'm stuck. Oh man, like so I'm going to be looking at like offensive rating by height. <laughs> How about this? When he's on the floor, Josh Hubbard takes 33% of our shots. Only three other players under six feet tall do the same thing. Where do they play? Let's see. We have Marcus Burton at Notre Dame. He's 5'11". Caleb oh, you got to bring a Notre Dame guy into it. At Cal State Bakersfield is 5'10", as is P.J. Henry at Texas Southern. Well, that's the other thing. You start to look at. Some of these guys who are shorter, they're not playing in leagues like ours. So now I'm going to have to go down and break down how many of these guys are Power 5 players. So among Power 5, I guess Power 5 is not the basketball term, right? It's not. But you I, get the idea. I get what, what you're saying. All right. I, mean, I can't go down this rabbit hole right now. Yeah. All right. Hey, before Charlie goes down the rabbit hole, we'll get out of here. And uh, once again, thanks to our good friends at Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. We are in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. Hey, we didn't talk about Trax Plus and Trax Plus, the three locations, Hickory, Hattiesburg, Bessemer, Alabama. Go to TraxPlus.com. Rental equipment, new or used heavy machinery, Sandy excavators and mini excavators for the dirt contractor, Barco equipment for the Forester, their customer service is great. Their service center is outstanding. Our good friends at Trax Plus. It's all built out of Hickory, Mississippi, down on Interstate 20. We talked about Maroon and Company. Go to maroonandco.com. They're in the Cotton Mill Marketplace right by Chick-fil-A here in Starville. Maroonandco.com. Country Pleasing Sausage. You just can't beat Country Pleasing to start your day. Howard Technology Solutions. Go to howardcomputers.com. See how this Mississippi company, Mississippi State alum Billy Howard, started it back in the 1960s. Talk to Rusty Toms. You can talk to Bennett Witcher, David Perkins. They're our good friends at Cannon Ford of Startwell. Nobody beats a Cannon deal. Nobody. Hey, did you know that Jimmy Bell, by the way, has only one player in the league better than him at offensive rebounding rate and only one player in the league better him at defensive rebounding rate? I'll have to go figure out how tall they are. <laughs> go, I'll oh, say how about this? You know who the guy on offensive rebounding percentage? Our old friend Anderson Garcia. Really? How about that? Andy, Texas A&M? Yeah. All right. I, I got to get away from you. <laughs> I appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee.